I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. I'll just be reading verses 13 and 14 in preparation for, uh, for the message. Matthew, uh, the first gospel, uh, the 14th chapter. Jesus had just received news of a death in the family. Uh, The one we call John the Baptist, uh, his cousin, had been brutally murdered by Herod. He was beheaded um, and uh, simply for being faithful uh, in his ministry. And Jesus did what many of us would do at such a time as that. He slipped away uh, by boat uh, to seek a deserted place where he could have time with his father. Of course, he needed to recharge. Um, he needed to grieve. Um, he needed to pray. He needed to commune with his father. Who wouldn't at a time like that? But the crowd got wind of it, and they followed him as he was in his boat. They followed him along the shoreline. And, uh, and then uh, there they were, bunched up at the dock in which Jesus' boat would tie up. They were waiting for him. He arrives. He's looking for time alone with the Father. And the place is mobbed. What would you do in a circumstance like that? Oh my goodness. Give me a break. Can I have some me time? And what we find instead is something precious of the Savior's heart. We find something beautiful and welcoming and compassionate. We find out what Jesus is like deep down in his heart. Verse 13 and then 14. Now when Jesus heard this about John, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. He saw a great crowd. He had compassion on them. He healed the sick. Very simple today. Jesus is compassionate. Jesus is compassionate toward needy and broken people like us. In fact, our neediness and our brokenness arouses Jesus' compassion for us. So Jesus is compassionate, and we think first of all about the beauty of Jesus' compassion. It's interesting to see in the Gospel how different people described Jesus according to their experience with Him. Saw miracles. Messiah, the sent one, the anointed one from God. The crowds heard his teaching. They were astonished because he taught as one having authority and not as the scribes. They were impressed with him, astonished at his teaching. 
But how does Jesus describe Jesus? Several months ago, um, our brother, our friend, Alan Strange, was here and he taught from Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, where Jesus describes himself, the only place in all of the Gospels that Jesus does describe himself. And he says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. I am gentle, I am humble. And in our text today, we see that expressed itself in compassion. And there's a very interesting Greek word. I've mentioned it to you before. It's kind of fun to say, but a, but a unique and important Greek word that describes his compassion at this point. Splank nidzomai. Splank nidzomai. That has to do with, with the bowels as the center or the core of a person's being, the intestines uh, being, being moved in compassion for someone else. Uh, it is. It arises from one's innermost core, from his deepest level. It is a compassion you can feel in your gut. My daughter and I went with one of our... My wife and I went with one of our daughters. I should get that right. Not a daughter and I went with one of my wives. That wouldn't do. <laughs> but but um, my wife and I went with, went with one of our daughters. A lovely day to a museum in Baltimore. We just had a wonderful time there. Uh, or we were anticipating a wonderful time there. And as we were getting out of the car, my, my daughter uh, inadvertently uh, had slammed her finger uh, in, in the door jam. And it was really, really bad. Uh, we didn't take her to the hospital, but what I remember uh, about her pain is that I felt it too, and I felt it in my gut, and I felt compassion for her in my, in my gut, my innermost being. Compassion rises up from deep within, and so for Jesus, his deepest desire, what he feels for hurting people is a compassionate heart. It, heart. It is, that is a beautiful thing to identify so with others, to feel their pain. And actually we see that it is, it is who Jesus is deep down. And, and I'm going to use a phrase uh, from theology that may sound a little odd, but it is the simplicity of God. The simplicity of God. God is a simple being which doesn't mean he is easy to understand. It means, it means that uh, he, uh, is, uh, he is not made up of parts. Uh, he doesn't have a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but every attribute is his being. So he doesn't have compassion. Oh, compassionate one day and then not so much later when you're not having a good day. He is Compassion, perfect, infinite, and pure. And so compassion naturally flows out of him. It is who he is. Even as, uh, as, as the rays of a sun naturally um, spill out or, or shoot out from the sun itself, we feel its warmth just under 93 million miles away. It is powerful. It is inherently warm and the rays inherently go out. 
And so it is with Jesus, the compassion going out from his belly because it stirs his gut. Jesus is compassionate toward the needy and toward the broken like us. I want to put this very personally. Jesus feels your suffering in his gut today. Jesus feels your suffering today. He is never irritated with his people. He never needs me time because you're just so annoying. You may be discouraged. You may be frustrated. You are likely weary at times. You may come to church even feeling empty. We come to Thee, Jesus, to be filled again. You may be saying to yourself, um, how is it that I could still be messing up after all these years? Surely His compassion must become brittle after a while. Surely it must snap. Surely He must withdraw it. But an amazing thing that I still grapple with in my own heart, life, and experience is that it is our sin that qualifies us to come to the Savior. He came for sinners to die on their, on, in their place to give His compassionate salvation. It is your sin that qualifies you to come to Jesus. And it is as, your, as a sinner, but also as a sufferer. Your suffering qualifies you to come to the Lamb. Your trouble actually arouses him, his compassion. He is drawn to those who m- m- many in, his, in that first century despised as morally disgusting. They were the ones that he was drawn to. Those who least deserved forgiveness, he forgave them. Those who were the outcasts whose other, others couldn't even, couldn't even touch or be with, he ate with them. He embraced them. And it was outrageous in the minds of many. And he was disparagingly called a friend of sinners. But he is. Praise his name. And his compassion, we see in this text, this compassion that he felt did move him to action. He saw the crowd. He had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. Jesus' deepest impulse is to move toward the sinner and the sufferer to act. Think of, in fact, we were singing of it earlier today in that first hymn. The friends of a paralyzed man uh, would dropped, uh, drop their friend through, uh, through the roof uh, so that he could be in the presence of Jesus and perhaps be healed. Jesus saw their face. And without waiting to be asked, he forgave the sins of this man and he healed him. And before they could get the words out, 
This man had already hopped off his mat and he was marching out the door, forgiven and walking because of the compassionate mercy of Jesus. And some of you might say, well, I get that. All right, he's there in person and he is there in order to prove the power of the new creation that is coming through him to turn back and to peel back the effects of sin. I get it that he would do that when he was there in person. One Puritan writer puts it this way. Christ, and now Christ is in an exalted state. That is, he, is, he has ascended into heaven and he sits in authority on high, judging all things, ruling all things by the word of his power. This is what that writer, that writer said. Christ's exaltation has not diminished his emotions, but rather caused them to Increase. So it's not just the broken along the seashore in Mark 14 for whom he has compassion. Well, I want to ask, I want to ask for each one of us to look in our own hearts. What do you do with Jesus' compassionate heart? What do you do with Jesus' compassionate heart? Kids, I've been thinking about you, especially those four, but this includes all of us kids, all of us young and old, but I'm thinking about you kids especially. And, and, and that is, that is um, you, you have heard and you will hear a message from our society. And the message will go something like this, that God's rules are the one you call God, the figure of God who has been worshipped. His his rules are old-fashioned and backwards. And they are a means to control people and to keep people from being fulfilled and truly free as individuals. To keep you from being yourself. To keep you from being real. To keep you from being authentically who you are and should should behave like. It will keep you from experiencing life and finding freedom. You will hear that. You've heard it already. You will hear it incessantly. You have a compassionate Savior, though. So how do you figure that? It is that God's plans and God's rules always come from a wise and compassionate heart. God's law... God's rules always come from a wise and compassionate heart, are always, therefore, for your good and for your safety. Stay out of the street! You've probably heard a parental unit say at one time or other. Why did they do that? To keep you from having fun? No, to keep you alive until you could get out in the street and, and do what you're supposed to do on streets. Drive bikes and cars and not get hit by them. So it's a life preservation for your good. To keep you safe until the right time. To keep you safe until the right time. The second thing is You have a compassionate Savior, kids and all of us. 
so that when you fail, know this, Jesus is compassionate. We can say Jesus is compassion. One of the things that Gail and I told um, our kids from time to time when they were growing up was, as they're especially in their teenage years, if you are out and get drawn into something that is over your head and things are going on that you do not, you, are, you know are not safe and you know you should not be there, no matter what the time is, no matter what the circumstances, just call and we'll be there. No questions asked. At least that night. You're safe. We will love you. We will care for you. It is interesting that the story of the prodigal son, uh, the father is the one who is moved, from, moved by compassion. And that is a picture of Jesus. Um, the, the father is moved from, by compassion or with compassion and he's waiting for the son to come home to welcome him. And so Jesus will welcome you back home. Jesus will welcome you back home with a heart that is, that is moved, bowels that are moved with compassion. The rules are good and there is a great solution to failure. Do you understand me? Hear this. Hear this. The second thing is, then, for, again, for all of us now, how well do you know the real heart of Jesus? How well do you know that heart? It is instinctive to us, and I'm at the head of the line, it's instinctive to us that we may shy, not always, but we may shy away from God when we are worn down, when we have a sense of our weakness, and there is in the back of our mind that surely he tires of us in our weakness. We may look at our life, and we may look at circumstances that seem so difficult, and are so difficult for us, and, and we, may, we, may, we may consider that, that God is miserly with his mercy. He's stingy with his mercy. He doles it out only to the more deserving than me. How well do you know the heart, the real heart of Jesus? Of course you and I are guilty of our sins, but we always must remember, uh, for every, as another one of the ancient writers said, for every, for every one time you think of or look at your own sin, you look ten times to the compassion of Jesus. I think if we actually tried that, we'd get worn out by 9 a.m. <laughs> Look at him that often? Look at him constantly. Jesus' compassion moved him to take the one and only action that you need. that suffering and death on the cross for your sins. He welcomes sinners home. How well do you know the real heart of Jesus? Perhaps in your suffering. Well, he's right there with you uh, in your suffering. Uh, You are in him, in his suffering for you, and he is in you, in your suffering now. He is in anguish over the anguish of his people. 
He welcomes you home. So how well do you know the real heart of Jesus? And then lastly, how well do you show the real heart of Jesus? There's just one time uh, in, the, in the New Testament that this word splanknizomai uh, is used, of, by, uh, used concerning someone other than Jesus. Just one time. And it's in a story that Jesus tells. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. A traveler was moved with compassion when he saw a man that was mugged uh, and beaten and left by the, by, on the roadside. He was moved with compassion. His, his bowels moved uh, in, in compassion for this individual. He was compelled to sacrifice Jesus-like for a natural enemy. All right. Jesus did not divert his eyes from you, but he looked steadily upon you and with compassion when he said, for you I am willing to sacrifice and die. And so Jesus bound up your wounds and brought you into his house. But then he said to those uh, to whom he was telling this story, now you go and do likewise. And it's a great question for us. How do we respond to needy people? How do we respond to people who have obvious needs and sometimes annoying needs and our hearts have a cold shell over them? You've been there. You've been there. I think taking a clue from this passage, first thing we do is practice really seeing. Look at people. See them. Take it in. Resist the urge to look away. And as you look at them, one thing you will discover is that he's very much like me in some ways. Maybe not in obvious ways, but he's very much like me. Or, I'm no better than she is. And what you will come to consider as you look at that person is that your differences are actually trivial. They're small. They're insignificant. And the amazing thing is that his mercy warms you for them. Because that's what God does. He's given the Spirit. So Jesus is in us with that sense of compassion, not only for us, but for the other person. Jesus in you, changing you, as you are struck once again by his marvelous compassion. Maybe there is someone here today who has not come to that place of of testing, of trying, of trusting Jesus as fully compassionate. He is the sin bearer. Take him up on it. He is the fellow sufferer. Take him up on that too and walk with him. Let us pray. Lord, um, we are are truly truly amazed at your compassion for us. It seems so out of place. 
so outrageous. And so we give you praise today. We pray that uh, even as we've heard this and even as we'll be taking the Lord's Supper in just a moment, that you, Holy Spirit, would work in our hearts a, a deeper love for Jesus because of his very deep compassion for us. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's